Today we learn about a library that has box loans for teachers, an art exhibit, music lending library, they offer pop-up services, they circulate a full access pass to their recreation center, and they have an audio recording studio. This is episode three of Track Pack Road Trip. Hi Maureen. Hello. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thank you for joining us today from Lac La Biche. I'm glad to uh, be part of this. So, so I believe you're calling it the Track Pack Road Trip Podcast. Is that correct? What I'm understanding? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading that Lac La Biche is about 148 kilometers from Coal Lake. That's approximately the uh, right amount of time. Yes. Uh, yeah. So you're looking at an hour and a half, two hours, depending on how fast you go. <laughs> That's right. So can you tell everyone your role at the library and about the library you work at? So I'm the library director for the Lac County Libraries. I'm Maureen Penn and we have two branches, the Stuart McPherson Public Library at the Bowl Centre in Lac and the Plamondon Municipal Library located in Ecole Plamondon. Plus we have various pop-up locations and service uh, for Indigenous communities in our area. Where did you do your pop-up locations? So normally we do our pop-up locations at the Festival Center in Plamondon, normally tied with uh, one of them, the major events, the Family Fun Nights. Right now those are on hold. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, services at our main branch right now. Uh, our pop-up location in Lac La Biche is the Heritage Center, normally during their live to eat lunches. So I'm hoping that uh, restrictions will ease and we'll be able to start doing that again uh, in the new year. And then Heart Lake um, First Nation is uh, another pop-up location, but we're holding off and respecting that community and we'll re be resuming hopefully in the new year. Mm -hmm. Do you find being located at the Bold Center brings in a lot of people because they're coming to the center? Yes and no. Uh, right now, the traffic is extremely low. Uh, there's a lot of people that don't want to go out in the evenings. Uh, they want to limit their possibility of uh, contracting COVID-19. Uh, so there's no hockey, so there's a lot less traffic right now. But normally, okay. we do benefit from the hockey travel. Uh, people just visiting our community. It's a one-stop shop. You can come and uh, do public skate. You can walk the track. In fact, they're busily um, adding a outdoor walking track and a soccer field. Mm -hmm. They're just going to be baseball. Uh, and then of course the future expansion uh, and the funding has already been announced is that the pool will be added onto the bowl center. Oh, nice. So definitely we'll have a lot more traffic because they'll come and pick up their books and, and do other, other things at the same time. Was that who you partnered with to do um, the recreation full access pass that you circulate? Oh, yes, we par partnered with um, the Bowl Center, specifically the recreational department for Lac La Biche County, uh, because the all access passes give uh, access for the full day to the Bowl Center, uh, Portage Pool, and also the Plumondon Arena. So you could go to all three venues in the same day. That's awesome. How many employees are at your library? 
So right now we have eight employees, so seven full-time and one part-time. So that's for all locations to cover all our programming. And then we add two students to our roster to provide one-on-one -on -one tutoring in the summer for our summer literacy program. And they help students in K to five. Um, literacy also include uh, low level numeracy as well in that program. What's the population of Lac La Bishop Boat? So the population is just under 10,000. 10, um, so we did do a municipal census because we find that uh, the federal census does not um, count and get an accurate um, um, picture of our community. So we do have a huge shadow population mm -hmm. uh, because of course we have workers that uh, work in the oil field and sometimes um, they only live part of the year here in Lac La Biche and work elsewhere like Fort McMurray, for example. If you want the exact number, I can, I can get it, but uh, um, normally we talk generalities that were under 10,000. I was reading that one of the authors you would like to meet is Stephen King, because he wrote one of your favorite books, which is The Stand. That is correct. Um, that, actually, oh, go ahead. I'm actually originally from New Brunswick, so um, St. John area, so not too far away from the border because of course he lives in Maine. Maine, yeah. So I always wanted to go uh, trick-or-treating at his uh, house because he <gasps> oh, used to do fun. that. <laughs> When I, when I was younger, there was, you know, big articles on him doing that. I don't think he does it anymore because, of course, he's quite famous. But uh, uh, when he was first starting out back in the 80s, uh, that was one of the things that he would do for the kids in his community. Um, I did try and see if we could afford to have him in Lac La Biche, But uh, when I saw the price tag, I said, no, we, we, we can't do fundraising to get him, him here. So if he is listening, hopefully maybe we could do something virtually and the cost would be a little bit less. Yes. Because <laughs> I do know that his books are taken out quite a bit at our library. And of course we have e-resources as well as audiobooks online. Mm -hmm. The Stand, which is your favorite book of his, is my second favorite book of his. I just wondered if you have read my favorite book of his, which is called, it's a short story called The Longest Walk. Yes, I you have. Read that. That's my yes, favorite story That's of his. Craft. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like bef one. before you ask about The Stand, The Stand miniseries was great. In fact, I one of my favorite actors was in the uh, original Stand miniseries that was on, I believe, ABC was the channel that it was hosted on, Gary Sinise. So mm. there is a new Stand miniseries coming out. So, <laughs> so I'm hoping that... Um, they do stay true to the book because I did find that the stand did say stay quite true to the book, whereas some other movies, not so much. <laughs> did you discover him as a adult or did you discover him as a teenager? As a teenager, I did Me too. read Me too. quite quite a few and Kuju probably was the one that sort of gave me a little bit of nightmares. <laughs> so I found the one that gave me the most nightmares of his was Tommy Knockers. Yeah, that would be another that one. one. <laughs> that was one I still haven't got through. Yeah. I mean, quite a few people don't like clowns based, you know, after they read it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of his books and they are popular. They go out all the time. So he's, he's held up all these years. Mm -hmm. And your favorite fictional character, book character is? 
Nancy Drew. I know yeah. that's going to sound really weird, uh, but when I was younger, um, I actually didn't go to the library quite so often because we had a huge uh, library uh, in our family. So we had lots of Nancy Drew, Beverly Gray, which most people have never heard of, but she was very similar to Nancy Drew, but she was at the university level. Mm -hmm. uh, so she was uh, in her first or second year university. But both those, Nancy Drew and Beverly Gray, had very strong female characters, and they were able to solve a mystery. So right now I'm actually in the process of reading A Study in Treason, which is part of the Daughter of Sherlock Holmes mystery series. Mm -hmm. And it's told from the point of view of Dr. John Watson Jr. And so it's told in a similar style to the original Sherlock Holmes stories. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's great to see a strong female character that can think things through, that you know is rational and has a process uh, of, and a way of figuring out uh, who done it basically and there is a, a quite a few books in the series so if you wanted to check that out yeah at the Coal Lake Pub Public Library we have them also in graphic novel format as well we have the novels and graphic novel format for Nancy Drew and of course the Hardy Boys and they continue to go out as well now when you say graphic novel there's um, a couple of different series in the graphic novel uh, which which ones do you have based on the traditional traditional stories or um, sort of the newer the newer ones? Okay, yeah, the newer ones. Yeah. And I was quite well. I was quite intrigued by your list of where all your reviews, all the places you review for. Can you tell us some of those where you review for? Uh, just one. Write your book reviews. Yeah, I'm just trying to find the my little notes on that. So <laughs> just give me one moment. Uh, so I don't miss anything. So I've written reviews for Goodreads, uh, NetGalley, um, and then um, I've gotten reviews from Novelist. I've done some reviews for Amazon and Idlewise. Now, if you've never heard of NetGalley or Idlewise, those are really resources used for library uh, professionals, mm -hmm. uh, especially doing collection development. Uh, where you can actually get the galley. So instead of waiting for a, a copy that's not um, quite ready to go to print yet, uh, so it's basically a proof copy that people can read beforehand to see if they'd like to add it to their collection. They're now in electronic form, so you're mm -hmm. reading it before it's physically published uh, to the general public, and you can give feedback on what you like about the book and what you didn't like about the book too. Mm -hmm. um, I find that uh, it's great to share um, feedback with the publishers and the authors, mm -hmm. and uh, it's great to have those avenues available to us. One mm -hmm. um, belonging to a consortium like we do with Track, we have access to Novelist. I love Novelist, and I see you have it on here. Can you tell mm -hmm. everyone how you use Novelist? So Novelist, um, we use it here a lot at our library to uh, broker some of the educators box loans and the educators box loan service is where they can let us know that they're doing like I'm going to pick on tsunamis. So a teacher's doing a, a section on tsunamis and we can do a search on novelists to see what books fit that criteria for that subject. Um, if if they like a specific author, we can use that for the general public saying, oh, I like um, stuff by Kenneth Opal. 
what else would be similar to how he writes. Now, if somebody doesn't know, like they don't know what genre they want, they don't know what author, but they like a plot-driven or a character-driven story, you can put all this information into novelists and it will generate a suggested list for that person or that teacher. So it's very, it's um, very well-rounded and very easy to use and you can really put some finite details into that a database to get your um, recommended reads. And we have it for adults and for children. I like that there's even reading levels in it and then there's even book club discussions in it. Yes, there is. That's yeah, a great resource for us. Speaking of book clubs, um, do you guys have a book club at Coal Lake? We have quite a few book clubs. We have an adult book club. We have a cookbook club. And over the years, we've had a graphic novel book club. We've had a parent-child book club. Um, we've had a self-help book club. So <laughs> quite a few different ones. And you're running one called the Rocky Mountain Book Club? Yes, so I think we're up to year six or seven. I was trying to figure out how long I've been running this, but it's mm -hmm. been quite a while. So the Rocky Mountain Book Awards uh, is a program that's run every year where kids in grade four to seven can vote for their favorite book. Now, I don't just get them to read the books. I actually do a little presentation on the book. In fact, I was working on the intro video this morning uh, because we're doing it virtually this year. Uh, normally we just go to one school, but the benefit of doing it online is now I can open up to all schools. Mm -hmm. uh, teachers can use um, the documentation and the activities that I've prepared for the 20 books mm -hmm. uh, in their classroom. All I ask is that they register online if it's a single, if it's a teacher, then they contact me directly to register the whole class. Mm -hmm. um, so it's con Canadian content and Canadian authors that are focused on 10 fiction titles and 10 nonfiction titles. Mm -hmm. uh, so on our website, if you're looking for that, you just go to programs, click on Rocky Mountain Book Awards, and you can see the, all the activities are up. The intro video will be um, uploaded shortly. Uh, so uh, we're very excited to be expanding the reach of that program this year. Um, the general program itself, you don't have to do activities with it. You can just sign up your group, get them to read the 20 books. They get to vote. Your group also gets a chance, especially where it's their uh, an anniversary year for them. They're actually giving away three book uh, collections. Oh, nice. And then you have a chance to win a visit from the winning author for that year. Wow. Uh, it definitely gives a chance for the kids to um, share what they like about books. Uh, I'm not sure how I'm doing the interactive component this year because normally they get to share what they like, what they didn't like, but at least they still get to give their feedback and vote for their favorite because they don't often have a chance to do that. Mm -hmm. As for an adult book club, we don't traipse. We actually have a local community member who runs the adult book club. Mm -hmm. So we actually uh, make sure that we get the books in in time for their their read and make sure, um, yeah, we supply all the, the materials they need and they meet uh, outside the library um, and uh, have great discussions from what I understand. I wish I had time to, to join in, but it's just one thing I can't quite fit into my schedule. We do that for patrons as well. We'll bring in a bunch of like 10, 20 copies of a book for their own book club that they use at home. Nice. Very popular here. So I myself love listening to podcasts and I find 
that podcasts are being turned more and more into books now, or I listen to podcasts that it gives me ideas about books I want to read. <laughs> so do you listen to any podcasts or do you recommend any to us? So I sporadically listen to podcasts and normally they're library related. Um, the one that I've sort of been following the most would be the Library Love Fest, mm -hmm. um, but that's more really Facebook, but they do have a podcast stream as well. And you guys have a podcast, your library. Yes, we do. Yeah. We, have, we are on our, I'm editing the, f uh, before I say it, fourth installment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we uh, actually have our Rural Library Corner podcast and about a little less than half is focusing on the library, both services and initiatives, plus five new titles that we've added to our local collection. But then the major portion of our Rural Library Corner is focusing on what's going on in the community. So we um, interview a community member or group. So we've had uh, Jean Wesley from Community Futures come on. Then the next one was Jenna Rowe. Uh, she works for Lacklebish County and she's tied in with economic development and tourism. We had uh, David Schultz. Uh, doing um, a segment on the county dollar program, which is rolling out um, sometime this month. And so he's tied with the Lacklebish District and Chamber of Commerce. And I'm very excited to say that I just interviewed Pierre Auberg, Auberg, sorry. I keep wanting to do a French twist on his name uh, from the college and he does the fine arts program. Uh, the library will be partnering with him uh, to do a special exhibit of the student work in the new year, uh, but we got to hear about um, the fine arts program that's been rolled out at Portage College. Will that tie into, well I was reading on your webpage that you have this audio recording studio, so do you do your podcast there and does this um, new program tie into your art exhibit that you have up? So right now the art exhibit that we have right up right now is the Trex exhibit. So it's the male gaze. Um, so that's separate. Um, the exhibit that they're going to be doing is sort of tied into what's going on in the world in terms of COVID. It's going to be called um, Timestamps. Um, and I'm just drawing a blank on the subtitle. Uh, the Art of um, Relief. Now the word relief in terms of, you know, you want relief from COVID, but it's also a play on words because in the arts relief ties back into a medium that you use to produce and present your artwork. So it's sort of a play on words. Okay. Uh, so they'll be uh, doing their display um, March, April, possibly into May. So the students get a chance to see what it, uh, what it takes to actually do your own art exhibit. They'll be framing, preparing their, their uh, pieces for display. So they get a well-rounded experience. As for our podcast, I actually have equipment in my office so that I have a space where I'm uninterrupted and uh, the door can be closed. Um, that, and we also don't want to interfere once the COVID restrictions are released. Uh, with somebody who wants to use our audio recording studio uh, just from the general public. So we make sure that uh, that is available. Plus we do record books for Nels. We just finished recording because uh, they're doing another pilot project uh, for them. 
and I believe it's finally edited and sent off. So we're very excited that uh, we can help them out and increase the amount of uh, audiobooks that are available for those with print disabilities. Yeah, it sounds like a fun partnership. It is, it is. So you're one of the few libraries that I know so far that have a mascot. Can you tell us about your mascot and how you use the mascot? So while we don't have any pets, we used to at our former location, we do have a mascot right now, Bookie. He's a deer and he hasn't been out lately due to COVID-19, but occasionally you'll see Bookie pop up at various programs and events. Sometimes he roams around the library. Sometimes he goes out um, on some of our um, outreach events. But right now he's, he's taking a hiatus and, and waiting for a little bit before he shows his face out in the community. Was he ever at one of your annual library con events? Yes, he has, but he, he forgot to wear his costume, I think, last time we had pictures at oh, the yeah. events. So. so hopefully he'll be able to show up at our next library con. <laughs> yeah. Would um, I was reading about one of your most successful programs, which mm -hmm. was your escape room. Can you share with everyone um, that compliment that you got that someone told you about your escape room? I thought that was great. Yes, I can. And I'm just trying to, f I, I know the comment, but I just wanted to get my contacts and I'm just trying to find my notes. Uh, and I can't find my notes on that one. So our escape room, we're up to our fifth escape room and our escape room currently is on uh, September 24th and 25th. And we're actually doing an Alice in Wonderland escape room. Fun. Our pre previous escape rooms have had comments from the public saying great, loved it, but the probably most um, startling comment and the comment that my board really enjoyed was the fact that they loved it better than the professional escape rooms. <laughs> so we don't just do one room because we do know that some people can be a little claustrophobic. So we normally have four different areas that have puzzles, two are smaller rooms, uh, one in the library and one in our programming space. Uh, so that gives that um, spaced out uh, and it doesn't feel so claustrophobic. And normally three to four people uh, ages 10 and up will participate in the escape room. This time around, we have a half an hour between teams. That's to give adequate sanitization time as well as resetting the, the puzzles. And when we finish this one, we will be releasing the virtual version of the Alice in Wonderland escape room. And if somebody's never read Alice in Wonderland, they still can come and they still can have fun. Mm -hmm. And then maybe they'll want to read it afterwards. And then maybe they, they want to read it, yes. yes. <laughs> and there'll be, uh, we have a screen and we will be taking pictures um, that we will be showcasing after the event. Uh, I know a couple of our escape rooms, people actually dressed up. One of the ones, of course, was Harry Potter. So mm -hmm. they really uh, enjoyed dressing up for that. So um, the 80s, some people came with rocked out hair. So I'm sort of wondering what I'm going to see this time around. Um, if you're wondering, I will be leading the first escape room, doing the introduction. And yes, I'm the queen. <laughs> <laughs> So off with their heads. <laughs> um, do you find that uh, 
What items are most popular now at your library now that you've reopened? It's still all over the place. Um, some people are just really happy that they can get uh, some of the board games and the kits again. Mm -hmm. um, because of course, when we were closed, they couldn't access any of that type of material. And of course, you can't uh, get that experience through our e-resources. Uh, so those have been going out again. Uh, we're waiting for a few of our kits to come back because there's still a few stragglers out there. Uh, people must have, must have forgot uh, that they had them because we had no book drop for so long um, mm -hmm. with the closures of the libraries due to COVID-19. And in terms of our new books, uh, normally it's very hard to keep those in, but with the traffic being a little lower, now is a great time to check out some of those new, rela new releases um, that they're actually on our shelves. And then for the ones that uh, we don't even see for a couple of years, we always recommend that people place holes. And we can get them through track. And we can get them through track, exactly. So your path to becoming a librarian was really interesting. Can you tell us more about how you became a librarian? So you're referring to how did I choose libraries as a career? Yes. So it wasn't my first choice. <laughs> Um, at one point I did want to be, you know, get, get into a little more of the creative side and actually do flower arranging, but then I changed my mind and I wanted to become a research lawyer. I even took the LSAT, uh, which is a standardized test after you finish a uh, Bachelor of Arts, uh, to be, uh, gain, uh, entry into the program. But then I decided to go to library school to become a law librarian. I quickly found out that I wanted more diversity than an academic setting could provide. And having to publish to get tenure is just not appealing to me. Mm -hmm. um, I like doing stuff that serves a purpose in terms of relating with the public, whether it be podcasts, um, creating videos, creating programs. Um, publishing just was not appealing. Mm -hmm. And your favorite book as a child ties into your dad. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I know there's been some talk about Dr. Zeus and questions about all that, but I still remember Hop on Pop because my dad gave it to me. Um, he just passed away a couple of years ago, so it gives me fond memories. And I, I love the sound of the rhymes that were specifically in that Dr. Zeus book. Yes. Do you have quite a lot of Dr. Zeus books at your library? Uh, yes, we still yeah. have quite a, quite a few. Um, some of them go out more so than others. Mm -hmm. uh, I do find that the ones that have been put into board books seem to circulate a little bit more lately. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure why that is, whether it's just because board books are a more durable format mm -hmm. or whether the illustrations and the pages look a little more um, appealing to that yeah. audience. We just bought the board books based on thing one, thing two. <laughs> and there's a Halloween one and a Valentine one and a spring one. They're very cute. Um, do you have a favorite snack or drink to have beside you when you're reading? Well, I do like chips, but if I had to pick just one, it would be chocolate. 
any almost anything chocolate. Uh-huh. <laughs> and please don't put the chocolate wrappers in the book as bookmarks. <laughs> I can't believe some of the things we find as bookmarks. I think the weirdest thing I've ever heard of was someone got a book returned with a piece of bacon in it. Oh. Why you'd you know, want to put bacon in a book, I don't know. <laughs> do you know the weirdest thing we had? Uh, no, what was that? So there was a book we had returned, and um, inside of it was a, an empty baggie, but marijuana had been in it, because there was a little marijuana symbol on it with little pieces of marijuana in it. That was the weirdest bookmark we've had. <laughs> and was that before or after it was legal? That was before it was legal. <laughs> Okay, yeah. that's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, really no don't worries. want that. No. Yeah, there, there's also been some horror stories about what's been returned in a book drop, but that's a whole conversation for another day. <laughs> yes. Or something cute like Dewey, the little cat that was put in the book drop, the true story. <laughs> yeah. That was a cute story. <laughs> well, thanks for talking with us today. Not a problem. Is there any other questions you wanted to tackle today or? No, unless there was something else that you want to tell us about your library or um, why you and your staff or patrons enjoy being a part of track. Well, we like the diversity that track offers us because we definitely couldn't afford to have everything in our collection. And we do try and have a diverse collection because we lend out board games, we lend out uh, iPads, tablets, um, we have Nintendo Switches that can be led, uh, lent out, as well as uh, an Oculus uh, to-go to kit, which is, of course, a VR system. And soon, we will be launching at our library con on January 9th, the Musical Instrument Lending Library That'll for our library members. Um, but for us to do that and have access to over 4.5 million items, like physical mm -hmm. items, is mm -hmm. phenomenal. And not only that, but we also tell patrons if it's not in Track Pack or Polaris, we can check Relay now and then get the items through even more libraries in Alberta, including like the bigger libraries. So we have tested that already and we already got some coming in. Perfect. We, yeah. we haven't had a request yet that we had to fill outside of track, but I'm sure it's just a matter of time because we do have some library members who are very eclectic in their reading tastes mm -hmm. and a lot of the books that they're looking for are more at universities and colleges. Mm -hmm. uh, so they definitely, we definitely rely on that resource sharing. And then, of course, our library members love the capability to add the me libraries to their card yes. uh, so that they can transact and go to, we'll just pick on Edmonton Public Library right now. Uh, they can go to the city and then um, rent out books if they're already set up in the system. And then they can just return them here and not worry that they have to tra travel back to, their to the library that they bought them bought them from borrowed them from yes <laughs> yeah so if you're traveling around it's good to have your library card with you especially if you belong to the me libraries because then you can visit those libraries and get items and some people don't know but we also like to tell patrons that there's even 32 libraries in saskatchewan they can use their card at including lloydminster yes so that's a reciprocal borrowing agreement with those libraries yeah. Yeah, that is, uh, that is something that some people don't know. And I 
I, it's amazing how many people think that our collection is just local. So it, it, op it really opens their eyes the first time they say, oh, I can get just about anything. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't cost, a, cost them anything because our library memberships are absolutely free. So there's no barriers. And we don't charge fines and fees. We do charge for lost and damage, though. Yes, that's the same in Coal Lake. No, no overdues and no membership fees. And we have found that's brought in more people since we started this years ago. Yeah, I think a lot of libraries are finally understanding that they can get more books back not doing those fines and fees because a lot of people say, oh, well, I owe X number of dollars. Therefore, I own the book. I might as well just keep it. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, if you're just getting charged the replacement, then they're encouraged to return it. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, uh, you're probably like us. There is a quarantine period of seven days before yes. items are checked in yes. uh, to keep everybody safe. Uh, so I know right now it's, uh, people are just getting used to the new realities and the reason why uh, some of their items are delayed in coming in for their requests are due to, of course, COVID-19. I think, like you said earlier, people are just grateful that we're open again. They can start getting books out, interlibrary loans. I don't think they mind waiting a little bit. I know they were very disappointed when we had to close our curbside pickup. But uh, we had to, uh, not only were we closed to the public, uh, basically a few days before the, the notice came down from the government, um, but then we had to close our curbside pickup just to be on the safe side because we did have um, staff members who uh, were sick. They didn't have COVID-19, but we had to follow our uh, guidelines when we have um, staff that are ill and we ended up working from home. So we had to shut down curbside and shut our book drop um, for safety reasons. Well, thank you for talking with us today. Well, thank you very much. Hopefully uh, you get uh, quite a few libraries um, sharing um, what they're doing and how track helps them uh, fulfill the requests of the library members. Yes. Okay, we will see you soon. Okay, have a great weekend. Okay, bye. Bye.